Okay, um, uh, I think this is... No, what, um, evangelistic. Evangelistic. I, I would just close it down if I was you to start again. Um, that can often be the easiest way. But uh, we'll, have, we'll have some um, thoughts about it. But let's, let's have a look at the scripture first. Because I think these are in the end, this is what you've got to keep teaching in order to keep a church evangelistic. And I think it's a constant plugging away at this stuff. So Acts chapter 1, does someone want to read one, Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 11? I, I won't do a great, I can't say the word now, but there you go. I won't spend too long in here. but um, Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 11. I was just going to pray before you read it, but that's all right. Yeah. Dear God, we do pray that you would help us. Uh, we're tired, and uh, yet we do want to encourage each other and think through how we keep our churches uh, passionate for you and uh, passionate for reaching the lost. So help us, we pray in this. And as we read this passage... We thank you for it and we pray that this in itself would ignite our hearts to love you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave more many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They are looking they were looking intensely up into the sky as he was going. And suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into, the, into heaven. Um, now in, in the end, I think uh, uh, teaching, I haven't got any magic, magic formulas, but I think this is what we've got to keep doing, is to, is to be teaching uh, again and again, these these sort of truths that you 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 get here. I mean, look at verse one. It's a very interesting verse. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. So you've got this this whole um, picture that, of course, in one sense, Jesus has finished his work. His act of redemption is finished on the cross. But there is this unfinished work as well uh, that we are called to be participating in, which is to proclaim that message. And we have to keep reminding ourselves again and again that this is our task, to carry on uh, what Jesus began in, in the book of Luke that uh, Luke writes about, but is, is continuing now, and we are part of that continuing work. And the way to, to keep that fresh in our mind, I think, is to, is to try to get hold of what's going on here. And uh, now I know these are apostles, and I know that they're, they're um, therefore uh, different to us. Now come in, into the circle, brother. Oh, these are, are you our Polish brothers? Okay. Um, uh, uh, but nevertheless, there are truths here that I think will, will help us and we need to keep reminding churches. I think one of the things I, I want to show here is that th these people are convinced men. They're absolutely convinced. You get that in verses 1 to 11. But look at verse 3. 
after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many, and here's the word, convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. These, these are absolutely convinced men. They're convinced about these basics. They're convinced about the death of Jesus. They're convinced about the resurrection of Jesus. They're convinced about the ascension of Jesus, which we'll have a look at in a minute. And they're convinced about the sending of the Spirit. They're absolutely convinced. And I'm not sure people will keep it up and keep up the pressure on themselves to keep evangelising unless they're really convinced about this. And it seems to me that what often happens in churches is that we can sort of believe it, but it doesn't look like we're convinced. Um, and I think that's something we've got to keep reminding of. It's convinced of the death of Jesus. It's interesting, if you go back to volume one uh, of Luke, uh, in Luke's Gospel, right at the end, um, you know, on that road to Emmaus, where he's talking to the disciples after the, the resurrection, have a listen to this. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they, might, they could understand the scriptures. There's a, there's, a, there's a miraculous thing happening there. He's not just teaching the scriptures, he's opening their minds to it. And then he told them, this is what is written the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations. Begin at Jerusalem, you are my witnesses of these things. And I think you'll find that in the original it talks about that, uh, that this must happen, that, that the cross of Christ must be preached. So just as much as Jesus dying on the cross is needed for saving people, this almost sounds wrong, doesn't it? But just as much as that, then the proclamation of that must happen. And they're absolutely convinced that that must happen for people to be saved. It's not just meeting in a building and hoping something will happen. It's actually, it's actually proclaiming that message. They're absolutely convinced that that message must be proclaimed, the cross of Christ, the death of Christ. And then they're convinced of the resurrection, obviously um, because, uh, you know, they saw him you know, on that first Sunday and then the next Sunday and then over a 40-day period where, where many convincing proofs were given to them. So that this, this resurrection that Jesus is the, is the proof that the sacrifice on the cross was accepted, that God has accepted him. And I, I just don't think we're going to be authentic useful people unless we're convinced about these things. And I wonder how much we are. You know, is it something that we just believe as Christians or are we absolutely convinced of these truths? And that's something that I would want to be constantly sort of rubbing in people, showing people uh, what these things really mean, why they're, why, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of apologetics and polemics going on here in the sense that you're showing the failure of other ideologies or religions and you're actually showing the, 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 the wonderful things of the Christian faith, why the cross is so, so different to uh, the messages of other religions or other ideologies, why the resurrection is, is, uh, shows the, the complete uniqueness of Jesus Christ over someone like Muhammad and so forth. And, and I think you've got to keep plugging away at these stuff so people are getting convinced. You've got to keep showing them the world that they live in and the doctrines that they're taught and the idols that they're shown uh, uh, to, to be the things that they should take their lives up. That actually, uh, all of these, you've got to strip those idols away and show uh, people so that they're convinced of this of this, these fundamentals of Christianity. I think that's, that's a, a constant thing that you need to be doing in, uh, in preaching, week on, week out. I, I don't think this, this happens just, you know, once. Am I making any sense here at all? I think you've just got to keep hammering away, showing from different angles, you know, why materialism uh, is not going to work, uh, how, it, how it is an idol, how it destroys 
showing our God as being completely different to the gods that are around us, whatever they are. That's why you've got to keep on listening. That's what I was trying to say this morning. And identifying the idols of people and showing that this fits um, and, and so forth like that. So they're convinced men. They're convinced about the death. They're convinced about the resurrection of Jesus. Um, you know, are we really convinced about that? And it, it, it's, it's, it surely should be the older we get and the more we look at this, uh, th- these truths and the more we look at the, the false ideologies and so forth that actually surely we should be more convinced less ashamed you know I mean what is it people believe in it's just ridiculous when you analyse it it is just crazy it's stupid and uh, I think we need to we need to sort of convince people that actually other ideologies are in fact quite stupid you know don't be afraid to say that it's not PC I understand that you certainly get letters written to you Um, the other thing is uh, because they're convinced, they're told not to be distracted. Look at verse 6 and 7 of chapter 1. So, when they met together, they asked him, that's Jesus, Lord, um, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, be convinced about these, the death and resurrection. Don't be distracted. And so many Christians are distracted particularly on this whole issue of Israel and the times and stuff like that. I mean, sorry, brother, but, you know, Americans is full of this. You get websites, you know, trying to, to read the news and show the prophecy that's fulfilled in Isaiah or something, uh, you know, of today. It's pathetic. And people are taken up with this stuff, absolutely obsessed with times and Israel and, and, uh, and all this sort of stuff. And... And it's quite interesting how we can just get taken up with those things and that will take us away from evangelism. And it may not just be Israel. I mean, I was speaking at a, uh, a conference for Baptists um, not so long ago in, in Australia. I mean, it was it, Baptist ministers. It was absolutely appalling. Um, I mean, it was, it was a, sh- a shocker of a conference. All, all, all the Baptist wives, the wives were there, were all knitting as I spoke. I mean, it was a bit, what was going on? And what was I, a knitting circle or something? What are you knitting? Who knits? Go and buy it, it's cheaper. Um, anyway, you know, that's... But um, uh, the pastors, I suddenly realised halfway through the conference, I was, I was sort of doing the Bible readings and so forth, I suddenly realised that all they were about were writing white uh, what they called white and uh, you know green papers to each other. It was all about what do you think? I'll write this paper about abortion, and uh, then I I, I I write this paper, and then you read it, and then you said, <laughs> and you put some r- things back and said I disagree with point three a, and then I would reread it. Whoa, <laughs> you know what's up with point three a? And he said, well I didn't like point what, and then. They were just sending articles to each other. They were, they'd lost it. And so I told them. I said, you're wasting your time. If I was you, I would just give it up. Didn't get invited back and didn't want to go back anyway, so I was quite happy not. But, you know, uh, what a, it's amazing. It's interesting, isn't it, how middle-aged pastors suddenly wanted to start doing degrees and doctorates and things. What's that all about? Why, why, why are you doing that? How, who's got the energy to do that if you're gospeling? You know, it's, it's an odd thing, isn't it? I'm all for education. I'm all for reading. I'm all for stretching our minds. But why do you suddenly want a doctorate? What's going on here? Who cares about that? You know? And, and so distraction is an amazing thing. Distraction in church so that the leadership spends more time on the problem people than training the good people up. Have you noticed that? I've been on many elderships in many churches and it's always, you know, uh, this woman here who takes up endless amount of energy and you just think, well, she's a dead woman, she's a dead weight. You know, let's not talk about her or you, the elder, you go and sort her out 
and we'll listen to your, you know, uh, reporting, and that will do. But actually, there's some young people here that we're not putting any energy into because we're distracted with these moaners and these grumblers and these ones that are never happy. Distraction is a, it's a massive problem. Identify the distractions. But you see, when you're convinced about the big issues, you say, I'm sorry, I've got no time for that. Someone comes to my church, and I've had this, and says, I've got this new, and I've had, had this, they, they turn up, and they say, look, we're reading this book about Israel, and, you know, and I say, well, I've got no time for that, mate, I'm sorry, you know, you have to go to another church for that, because I, I can't be bothered with it. They're absolutely shocked. Don't you want me to come to your church? Not really, no. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you can come, but I'm not, you have to put that aside. I am not going to read that book on Israel. Israel's dead. If you want me to tell you what I believe on it, it's dead. But I'm not going to tell you too much because I'm not going to get distracted. Um, so we've got to beware of distractions. They're convinced of the ascension of Jesus. Look at verse 10 and 11 again. They were looking intently up into the sky as they were going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you, you have seen him go into heaven. Um, R.C. Sproul says this about the ascension. He says, the ascension of Jesus was a supreme political event in world history. He ascended not so much to a place as to an office. He departed from the arena of humiliation and suffering to enter his glory. In one moment, I love this, in one moment he leapfrogged from the status of despised Galilean teacher to cosmic king of the universe, jumping over the heads of Pilate and Herod and Caesar Augustus. The ascension catapulted Jesus to the right hand of God where he is enthroned as king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, that's, a, that's a terrific thing, you know, because, um, you know, he's at the seat of power. That's where Jesus is. He's the ascended, he's the risen, ascended king. It's not, it's not a retreat back to safety. It's the exact opposite. He's in the place of power and authority. And they're convinced that Jesus is Lord. They're convinced that he died, he rose again, he ascended, and he is Lord. He is Lord of history, of people. It's the Lord that says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we've got to keep going at that because we become unconvinced so easily. And therefore we get distracted, you know, about, as I say, on all kinds of things. But they're convinced about the sending of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 4. On one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Uh, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised you, which you heard me speak about. So they're expectant that God would send the Spirit on them to make them witnesses. And they're deeply persuaded that they need God, the Spirit in their lives, to drive them out to be witnesses. These men are convinced in the sense that their hearts are gripped. Okay, now, I'm trying to whiz through this chapter quite quickly. Because they're convinced, three things happen. Because they're convinced about those things, they pray. Because they're convinced, they organise. Nothing wrong with organising. Because they're convinced, they evangelise. Or if you're one of those people that likes, you know, they, um, you know, things going together, they, they, um, uh, they, they agonise, which is prayer. They organise and they evangelise. So that's a bit of rubbish. Um, they pray, they organise, they evangelise. Let's just have a quick look at this. These men are praying men. You see it in verses 12 to 14. Someone just read those. Paul, can you read those quickly? Uh, they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day walk from the city. And they arrived and went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were John, Philip, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon Zeller, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. 
We are not only praying, we are fellowshipping and praying. You know, it's quite a lot. There's a lot of togethers if you go through this chapter, by the way. Lots of togethers. They're together all the time. You know, they're not in wonderful solitude. They're together, which makes the church, and there's a sense of belonging. And what they do together is to continually pray. Now, of course they pray because he's the one who's ascended. Of course they pray because he's the one who has all power and authority given to him. You, you don't pray if you think he hasn't got it but because they're convinced of the ascension, because they're convinced that he is Lord of heaven and earth, then they're going to ask him to help them in the battle. They're not, they're not battling for victory, they're battling from victory, remember that. They're convinced that the victory has been won and from that standpoint they're going to pray that the Lord will help them go onto the battlefield and fight. And so they're praying people. They're fellowshipping and praying people. But you see what it's about? It's not fellowship for the sake of fellowship. It's fellowship, partnership for the gospel. Partnership to encourage each other praying so that they go out. They pray, but they also evangelize. Uh, uh, they organize, rather. Now, you see this going on with the replacement of, uh, of Judas. You know the story of Judas, so I won't go into all of that. But um, uh, uh, Judas uh, kills himself, you know, he hangs himself, his bowels seem to, to fall out and all of that sort of stuff. It's pretty horrible, gruesome stuff. And they know that they need to replace... Um, a, a, an apostle now there are all kinds of things you know uh, uh, you need 12 as you have the 12 tribes of Egypt and all uh, Israel and, uh, and all of that sort of stuff but um, you know don't need to go into that but, but, but see what they do Paul can you read verse 16 and verse 20 yeah and Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled. The Holy Spirit spoke long ago to the Mount of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. And then verse 20. Yeah. For, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Okay, now what they're doing there, they know that there's one missing and because of Scripture, they're allowing Scripture to organise them. They're saying, on the basis of these Scriptures, you see how it works, we need, uh, we need to replace Judas. And, and they're organising, the it's a fascinating insight into what goes on in the church. So they're biblical, but they're sensible. You know, there's, there's two blokes that fit the criteria and in a sense it doesn't really matter which one is which doesn't matter, who cares? They're biblical because they know uh, and, and they pray and then they toss a coin or, you know, pull a straw. doesn't matter because God is sovereign, you see. And these two blokes fit the criteria. It doesn't really matter which one you go for. Who cares? Let's just pull a straw and that will, that will do. Why, why wouldn't you do that? So, so what they're doing is organising, putting into place uh, seeing that someone is now missing and they need another worker here. And by scripture, they're organising themselves. And then, of course, in chapter 2, and I won't go into it for time's sake, they evangelise. The Spirit comes and they evangelise. But they're ready, they're organised for that. And they're out preaching the gospel. Now, I think, and I'm only just telling you what I do in my church, is that you've got to keep going over that stuff in different ways, in with different words from different passages of the scripture and you're banging that home, that message home, again and again and again. Be convinced about these, these things. Why is this message so unique and so wonderful? Why would I commit my life to it? You, you show that again and again and again. In all kinds, you know, every way you can. I would say, if you like, that's my sermon that I preach every week from different places. <laughs> You've got to keep banging that home. We want convinced. No one will do anything unless they're convinced. No one will do anything unless they're really convinced. 
And that's not just an intellectual conviction. That's a heart thing. And you'll never change anyone until it's, it's hitting home. This is the message that people need to hear. Okay. Um, uh, now, uh, does anybody want to say anything on that, that stuff? And then I'll, I'll, I'll throw in some sort of ideas for practical sort of things. Everybody alive or dead? Any dead? I mean, what you've got to work out in yourself is how you convince your people of this so that the heart is really going. You've got to keep thinking of that. And every group is different. And then you've also got to think, what is the big distraction? What distracts us? I mean, it is interesting that churches after... Our church is five years old now, the one I'm working with at the moment. It's five years old. And five years old, even now, we're getting comfortable. It's very, it's very easy. It's almost impossible because you get people converted and, uh, and then they're growing in the faith and then they get married and you think, oh, we've got to do sort of marriage preparation courses and then they have children or they do sort of, you know, children preparation courses. Or, um, and, and suddenly, if you're not careful, all your energy is just sucked in to all of these things that you can do. And you become very, and, and it's inevitable to some degree, uh, because you do need to do some of these things. But you've got to keep your eye on saying these are the basics we're convinced about, and this is the message that we as a church uh, are here to take out. We've got to keep that. We've got to take it out. Okay, here's look. You, I'm sure, amongst us, you've got better ideas than this, but these are some of the things that I would think of in our, in, our, in, in, in our church and they're not in any order or anything like that or of importance or anything but one thing is I would want to be looking all the time looking and releasing and even training evangelists I want to be looking at those people that are really good with people that are just good you know chatting with people that are people people they're the great evangelists I'm not talking about preaching now uh, you know, monologuing evangelists. I'm talking about, you know, people are just good with people. You know, I w- I'd want to be looking for them. And I'd want to be trying to release them. Because it's very easy to stick good people on committees. It's a distraction. You know, they can be on committees left, right and centre and it, it feels a little bit heady being invited to be even on a, to a missionary committee in London. You know? But, you know, you've got to ask, is that sucking them away? Are they doing too many things? And even perhaps even on eldership, you know, are they going to too many meetings instead of trying to release them to meet the friends and the people that they know? That would be one thing I'd be looking for. And trying to think about saying to them, hey, look, um, okay, uh, I I really want you to spend time with non-Christians. You're just brilliant or you're a great bringer. And uh, it would be very easy for you, because you're such a good person and a godly person, it would be very easy for us to just stick you on every meeting, you know, or doing everything. And we need to learn to release you a bit here. Uh, so that would be perhaps one thing. So that you're, you're always uh, uh, allowing the evangelists to be evangelists. And that in itself will produce an atmosphere of, of good things in the church. Here's another one. Again, not in any order. Equip your people wherever they are to tell the gospel. Sometimes, and you know, I'm going to say the opposite in a minute, but in, in, in a sense, we've got to get. It is always a tricky one. Sometimes the church puts on so many meetings that we actually, and we're not equipping the people. Are, are people to, to do evangelism in the place where they spend most of their time. We're sort of asking them to put all their energies in, in a, sometimes in just the building. So somehow we've got to learn to equip our people to be able to be evangelists at work. Now often, I mean, certainly in our area, that might mean they do work a long way away and we might not see as a local church the, the, the reaping of that. But we're about the kingdom of God, aren't we? just building our own local church up. 
And I mean, you know, you know the old the old picture of the of the um, uh, you, 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 you know we're like huddled together here as a little bunch of people, and we don't look very significant. But actually, if we all go to our places of work, you know, there are Christians in all kinds of places. And we've got to try to equip them to be convinced of the message enough to think about what they could do in their workplace. And that might take us time. That may mean as leaders and pastors, we need to go and visit their workplace. And we need to have all kinds of resources that might be helpful for them uh, to do something there. So I, I wonder whether we need to do that. Help them see that where they're working, where they're spending most of their time, in the day is in, is in fact a mission field and give them material and, and, and uh, perhaps you know teach them to do courses and uh, to be able to put on um, you know uh, a Christianity explained or explored or you know a, a course teach them so that they can they can learn to do that in our prayer meetings uh, be careful that we're not we're not too insulated and too looking in in our prayer meetings. You know, think about where the people are. So you're in the business world over there. You're a teacher in a, a school over there. You're doing uh, something, working in a shop. You know, look, why can't we hear? How's it going? And you might say, to be quite honest, it's really tough and I, I don't seem to be able to talk to anyone. So let's pray. Lord, we pray for our brother. We pray that there would be opportunities that he might be able to. And sometimes our prayer meetings are just so stifled and, and we need to share. And why do we have to be good at everything? You know, why can't Stuart say, well, at my work, actually, I really blew it. I, I think I had an opportunity and I was a bit scared. But for goodness sake, let's not judge the brother for that. But let's ask, Lord, he is scared of this and I don't blame him. But let's pray that the Lord will make him a bit bolder and, and let's encourage him. The prayer meeting is a very important part for, uh, for distilling what we're about. Um, I think that, you know, that, that, that's got to be helpful. Or if a brother or sister has had a good opportunity, they can say, actually, you know, I spoke to three people today at work and it was just really good. Let's allow them to say that without the fear of them thinking they're boasting. What am I doing now? Keep going. Um, uh, um, I, I, I want to hear people say actually you know I blew it or I had a good time or I, I only just gave a booklet or you know all of those sort of things are, are really very helpful and it keeps up the whole thing that we are about reaching the lost so sharing at prayer meetings I think is very important um, have a think about in your, in your church what people are actually good at and is there something that they're good at that could be a natural uh, a way in to meeting people somehow and therefore then starting to evangelise? So, I mean, there's a lot of people are good at all kinds of things, aren't they? And we often don't know what they're good at. You know, so, I mean, I just suddenly heard um, Vinnie is, is good at pottery and stuff. I never, would you ever believe that he sits there doing plates and pottery? What a wonderful thing! And he says he uses it for the gospel and stuff. Well, you know, there's, there's loads of people that are good at very, you know, all kinds of things. And you've got to sort of allow them and release them to do that which they enjoy, that they are passionate about, to, to see it as a, as, as a way of actually contacting people or, or uh, even, you know, gospeling to some degree. Think about the needs of the area that you're in. You know, know the area. Don't just be sitting there for 20 years. Things change. You know, there are, there are, there are things that you need to be questioning on. Is, is there need in this area for a homework club? You know, are there people in your church that can be CRB, that are teachers, that come, could come and do homework clubs and that would give you contact? Okay, you know, that's not gospel, but it's going to introduce you to people. Are there a lot of international students around? You know, internationals are great, are great for reaching because they're, they're lonely. And I'm sorry that you're having to sit in the back row, but I understand why. But, you know, in our area, we're thinking at the moment, there are so many sort of 
uh, Polish, uh, um, uh, and they're, 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 they're all usually working in the coffee shops and they're working in the um, restaurants as waitresses and, and waiters and so forth. You know, we want to do, uh, and, and a lot of them finish at 4, 4.30. So, you know, we, we, we're thinking, can we put on actually a coffee meeting where we serve them? I mean, it's an idea. We haven't formulated it properly. We're just asking these questions where we can serve them with coffee and they come to us and we can help them learn English and explain to them something of a Christian message in doing so. You know, what, what can we do? Look at the area. Ask the question. Don't just go to church and sit there. You're the light in this area. Ask what's needed. I don't know what's needed in your area. I can't answer. But you can. Find out where you can make contacts and so forth. The other thing I think to do with people is to show the contacts that we do have. And um, it won't be hard to do this, but you can do a... uh, You know, I've done this in lots of churches where you do from cold to hot contacts. So cold contacts are those that you don't really know at all. You might, that might be knocking on the door evangelism, that sort of stuff, you know, or open air type proclamation where it's to people you've no idea, you've never met before, it's cold, they're cold. But actually if you go through your church you'll find that from cold you can go all the way to hot. There are warmer people. Kid, parents that send their kids to a club that you're doing they've got to be warmer because you've got a contact with them already there's, there's some, you know, something going on there, to people that you know, pop in, if you can show your, your congregation um, the different sort of from cold to hot contacts that there are and think about how you might um, target those different contacts if that's the right word, how you might be so convinced of the gospel, that you'd want to think about what you could either put on or what you could be doing or uh, how we could move those contacts, you know, on from cold to warm or from warm to hot and so forth. You know, someone who comes to your church, however moody or grumpy or how much they didn't like it, if they come into your, your meeting or some meeting, they've got to be a pretty hot contact. You know, we, we want to learn what we should be doing with them. You've got to think that through. And all of that keeps us thinking evangelism. It's not just that people have come to an event and that's the end of it. It's not that we're putting on a meeting and we had 150 there and aren't we good. Uh, it's all, you know, how are we going to move these people on and so forth. Do you want me just to keep waffling with our ideas? You, do you want me to shut up? Right. Okay, <laughs> running evangelistic uh, courses. Um, let me. Uh, look, you're, you're welcome. These are three quid. And if you want, you don't. You know, if you want, want to buy them, then you can buy one. But um, this this is on Romans uh, one to five. I mean, I'm doing at the moment uh, this month a whole series that's sort of uh, for people that don't don't read much, um, and it's got, going to be called God and uh, Jesus and You, and there's going to be a series of four. Uh, uh, four studies on 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 Jesus, and um, that's going to be, you know, for those that don't read. So this this is a little because it's Romans. It's obviously a little bit sort of, you know, it's more difficult concepts. Um, this was a course we started in Australia ten years ago. It's still going, and it goes back to back. It it it's it's a six week course, and. Um, if you want these, these are three quid each, I've got loads of them here. Um, uh, it's, um, when, we, when we finished one, we started a, 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 another. The reason for doing courses not just once a year, but keeping them going, is that contacts don't actually come when you're doing the course. They're not sort of sitting around thinking, I think I'd like to do a course now. You actually suddenly have a contact with your hairdresser or something like that. And uh, this is what happened to Anne a little while ago. She suddenly had a contact with, with her hairdresser, wanted to bring it to something. But, you know, you, co- you have to wait six months for the course to come on. And, of course, they're gone by then. So I quite like having something going back to back. I actually personally take Christians through this course who think they're Christians because it really shows justification by faith. It really opens them out. 
And then, when, you've, when we did it in Australia, we started off with a bunch of people, and uh, uh, they did it. They did six weeks. Some of them became Christians. Others didn't. So we did it again. Because we didn't, I hadn't written another course by then. So we said, well, does anybody want to do it again? Yeah, I do. So they all, we did the whole thing again. Straight out. Exactly the same. Same people. Same people. By that time, several had become Christians. The ones that had become Christians, we immediately said, um, you know, don't, don't start coming to all the church events. Not yet. Don't worry about that. You've got, you've got contacts with non-Christians. Do the course again and invite your your non-Christians. That's what they did. So, they did the course again. By that time, they'd done it three times. So then I said, now you can help me lead one. You can, you know, um, and bring more more non-Christians. But the non-Christians, had some of them had been converted. And they have contacts. And so we just rolled it on like that. That has been going full on for ten years, non-stop. And uh, it is just, it's, just, it's just remarkable. But the, the, the point, okay, that's a particular story, I know. But what I'm saying is that sometimes we, we have to sort of wait to put something on and it's quite good to just keep something going. And the way you can do that, so if we were a church, is, okay, I'm going to do it with you, Paul. You know, and so I'm going to keep this going. So, and then you might say, I've got a contact, great, get them in. Right? And then I'm going to do it with you, and then I'm going to do it with you. And then you sort of work your way like that. So whatever, it doesn't have to be this, whatever it is, make sure it's not too long until you're doing the next, the next course. I, I, I think back-to-back is quite, quite helpful. Another thing uh, about keeping a church evangelistic is sometimes you need to do something that's too big for you. Doing two big things is just a bit exciting and a little mad. And, uh, and, and you always get people say, oh, it's too big. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's too big. But come on, let's have a, let's have a go at it. Because particularly with younger people, it just excites them. You know, it's just a bit of a crazy thing, but come on, let's have a go. Um, so let's leaflet, for instance. I mean, here's, here's something. Uh, 20,000 people live around us. Hey, what do you reckon? Let's get, tw- over this year, let's leaflet every single home, 20,000 homes. Go on. Should we have a go? Well, there's only 30 of us. Yeah, but come on, at the end of the year, wouldn't it be worth it? You know, there's, some, there's something like that. We, uh, here's another leaflet, selling stuff. Um, this one is called Three Days That Shook the World. Uh, I think we did, uh, did 10,000 of these at one time. And um, you, can, you can take one of those for nothing if you want one. They're three quid and they're nothing. Um, but we just, uh, we just try to to do that. We did uh, testimony leaflets as well with a little gospel sort of insert as well. Um, there are all kinds of things. And maybe you want to put a mission on. Maybe you want to get a mission team in that will, will come and bang on doors or something or just raise the profile of the church or go into the schools or something. Something that pushes you, whatever that might be. Um, do something too big. But do something small do something small uh, as long as you do something it's good in other words what I'm saying there is change something what we did this year was we all our small groups all our home groups we said why are we meeting in homes you know uh, we're all in shut doors meeting in our comfortable Christian homes having nice Christian Bible study right let's we called it in the marketplace so for a month we said all of our small group meetings will be in pubs in the centre of Kingston. Oh yeah, but we can't get any quiet. No, you can't. The pubs are full. That's the whole point. And uh, we met in pubs. I mean, one pub called the Druid's Head. Great place to meet. Uh, you know, we had um, uh, the, the group that I was uh, working with. There were, there were four, 40 in this particular group. And we, we sat uh, in, in small groups all around the pub doing Bible studies, the music was too loud, uh, the football would come on, uh, you couldn't do subtleties, there is no way you could share for pray, 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 that is absolutely true, because that is a little odd thing to do. Um, uh, but, the, it did two things. 
One, it said to us Christians, we are unashamed of this Bible and we're going to open it up. And two, sorry? No, they didn't mind, no, they didn't mind at all. Um, they didn't like us trying to turn the, the music down, uh, but in the end we thought, what's the point? And it's funny because, because the level of noise is up, you sort of get used to it quite quickly. Now, okay, for older people it is quite difficult and you might need to go somewhere else, but... Um, it was it was just really exciting. You know, you ordered a you know, uh, bowl of chips. Uh, we said to the Christians, look, I know what we're like as Christian skin flints. You're going to have to buy something. Uh, you don't have to buy alcohol. In fact, we as leaders didn't buy alcohol. Um, uh, you, but, you know, because they make more money out of soft drinks anyway. So, But you've got to buy a pint of something. Um, and you can't just go in there. It'll be out of order. <laughs> Um, we just had fantastic times. Now, our fight club, which is our preacher's training uh, group, we always meet in the pub now. And it's great. We do preacher's training. I, do, I actually get them to do little sermonettes uh, in, in the pub. So, they're, they're, it's terrific. It's just great fun. Um, and, um, and the point of that is, one is, is to make sure that we're, we genuinely are praying for the town and we know what's going on in an evening because we Christians are so good at huddling away and having comfort. And two, that we just be seen. We just be seen as people that carry Bibles and open them up and we're ordinary people and we're talking about the Gospel. Now, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have masses or great loads of contacts and didn't, didn't know of anyone that was converted through that, but it really did us good to say, yeah, it's reminding us what we're about. It's reminding us what we're about. So do something small out of your comfort zone. You know, what about a map of your area? What about a map uh, at your prayer meeting where you actually, you know, put on all the Christians you know in the roads around where you're meeting? You know, and Christians from other churches that you might know. And see the ones that aren't full and get a heart for this. The trouble is with buildings, you know, you can have a building like this and it can be packed and you think you've reached everyone because you've got a packed building. But you know, you can, you, can, you can own a phone box and pack that out and think that you're doing well. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, not, it's just not, it's, it's, too, it's too easy. The building's got to take us away very often. It can be quite a distraction. Um, and so do something, do something. Show the areas, show the, show the roads that haven't got a Christian on. Particularly be praying for them. Perhaps target them with some gospel literature and so forth. Okay, uh, uh, we came to, um, uh, we, we're five years old, uh, we, I felt quite uneasy that we were settling down, I thought we needed to preach a series on Acts, I preached through Acts, uh, a whole load of sermons through Acts because that was just, you know, it's an exciting book to do, um, and we've, we've, we haven't got the money, uh, we never have enough money for anything, but we're not allowing the God money to put us off. And churches, by the way, die when they don't do anything because they haven't got the money. Um, and, uh, and churches die very often when they go for the soft option, the easy option. It's at the point where they say, we're going for comfort and not discomfort. I, I think church should be a bit uncomfortable. You know, we are... We are, we are we mustn't go for comfort. So we've now said, we've got to reach Kingston. Um, we've got ideas for you know, a project that will take a bit of a long time. So we're saying we're not waiting for that. And uh, we're starting up a Thursday night church, a late, late night church, because it's late night shopping in Kingston. And, uh, and we're doing that for a number of reasons. One, because we want to reach Kingston. But two, because we mustn't settle. And so we've, we've got to... We've got to go for it. So we're selecting various people, getting a core group and planting a new congregation on, uh, on a Thursday night. And I'm only telling you that because you, that might not be right for you. But it's because we've constantly got to be changing and going for it to get that whole flavour that we're a church that mustn't settle. I've expressed this. I express my heart as a, as a pastor and say... Um, <coughs> Look, I, I'm worried about us. I am worried about us settling down. I, I know so many churches that are big, but they're so settled and they've got loads of money in the bank. I mean, how can you have money in the bank? 
You know, money's meant for spending. Someone's given that money, spend it. And there seems to be a lot of money and a lot of settling and I don't want to be a part of a church like that. Um, my inclination is to settle. The older you get, the more you want to settle. But no, come on, we've got people to reach. We, we, we're a small church. There's thousands of non-Christians out there. Let's keep going. Let's keep uh, driving. So, there's some thoughts over to you. Oh, we've got to finish now. Okay. Question, go for it, yeah. If you want these things, you can... Pete, uh, what do you do with uh, church members that don't that want to settle yeah. and don't like going down the pub and start to complain and groan and mumble and it might be more than just one or two, you know, it might be a significant minority in the church or even a majority, what do you do then? Well I think you've got to ask the question, are these people, you know, have they got a genuine uh, problem with let's say a pub? Because right. some Christians have, don't they? And that might be something that you need to talk through you know, that they might have a genuine spiritual problem. They would feel that they were denying the Lord or, you know, compromising their purity by doing that. And I think you've got to try to identify that. And so I would want to try to explain to them uh, uh, without bullying them that, come on, pubs are very, they're very different from what people think of. Uh, it, I mean, there are some pubs, aren't they? They're the pubs you get drunk in. But pubs today are, you know, most pubs today are very, very different. You know, their meals and, and they serve coffee and all kinds of stuff. There's no smoke anymore, and all you know, the whole thing has sort of settled down in in in, in lots of pubs. Um, so I'd want to sort of talk to them. Is this a conscience thing? And then, uh, so if, if there's a weaker brother issue, you want, you want to help them out. But if there's just this, I am not doing this. This is, you know, then I'd have to say, well, we're not waiting for you. You know, I'm not waiting around for you. And I think sometimes we have to say to people, I'm sorry, but, you know, our church is, is about this. And although you're a good brother, you know, I'd recommend that the church down the road might be helpful to you. Sometimes you have to say, I'm, we can't accommodate that. And I don't want to argue with you. And I don't want this strain. But if you're not for reaching people, can't you see what we're trying to do? Um... You might not come, but you could actually get a couple of that don't like it because of conscience to pray, fine. But if you're actually opposing this as an ungodly thing, I want to say to you that we, we as elders think this is right, and therefore I, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. But this is what we're doing. Are you going to break the peace here? Or are you going to accept that? Because if you're going to break the peace, there's a very serious thing, and you're probably best to go. I think sometimes we're not strong enough, uh, brother, and I think sometimes um, because we like numbers and we want to keep everyone, you can't keep everyone. You'll never, be, you'll never keep everyone. Um, but we don't have those people, thankfully, because we're a young church. That's why I'm actually in a, in a, a church. What we're having on? Let's kick them all out. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that... I'm not going to be distracted. Yes, we have. Yes, yeah, 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 we have. Um, I mean, particularly the people that turn up with their agenda of theology or Israel or, um, you know, uh, this is the only tract that you can give out or the only way to do open airs is way of the master or something, you know, and all of these things are, uh, might be good, but you say, yeah, but, you know, we do it this way. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if, it, if, if there's all of that, it's, look, uh, look, we want, we, we'd love you to join us, but we're not, this is where we're going. Are you part of this vision? And um, please don't hold us back. You're best to go somewhere else. Yeah. What, what do you do when you've got members in your church? Yeah, it's been long-standing issues with them. Yeah. Like when you've been there two years, they, you see them sitting up. We, we managed to get everyone together and have fellowship together, which was a miracle in itself, thanks to God. But we can still see various groups, they don't look at each other, you know, they look at each other with daggers in their eyes yeah. you know, this is a major distraction, yeah. as you were saying what do you do? Well, you've got to teach, uh, you know, the scriptures on that, but, uh, and you know, that's, that might be a hard plod for you but sometimes uh, the way to bypass that is to start something new, so, in other words 
you don't, you, you can't win them over. Uh, so, therefore, you let them do their thing and you keep that ticking on and you don't put much energy into it because, and let it die. But actually, the new thing, you're going to put all your energy into and you're going to select the ones that are going to be with you and you put your energy into that and you, you keep these happy by talking about the 23rd Psalm yet again. But um, uh, over here, you're putting your energy, that's where you're, yeah, um, you're whatever you call it, I mean, like like... I put my energy... In. I'm not, I'm, I haven't got too much time for the grumblers. Uh, I talk to them, of course, of course. But in the end, I want to put... Uh, my diary is full of Fight Club, okay? Where, and uh, these are the people I'm putting my energy into. And I'm sorry, I can't, I can't hear uh, Israel again. I haven't got time. I'm, my diary's full because I'm doing this. And um, they go usually in the end. Or you just keep this thing ticking on and you do sort of a little bit into it, but then that's where you put your heart and that's where the change happens. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Um, is there any about particularly reaching men? And there seems to me women are a lot easier to reach, but if you want to win whole families, men seem more key and harder to reach. Well, I mean, you've got to, I think you've got to get the blokes on fire. Um, so, I mean, most of our stuff is energy put into blokes because um, I'm a bloke, so I won't I won't do the girls. Um, uh, so, Fight Club is men only, you know. Um, and uh, uh, I, you know, I think you just you've got to, you've, you've you've got to fire the men, the, the men up, and you've got to do all the things I said. But yeah. What about uh, churches employing full-time evangelist teams? Yeah. Yeah, the great thing about that is, as long as the evangelist isn't expected to do everything for the church. So some churches want an evangelist because it's, oh, I don't have to do it then, that's great, isn't it? It's like having a servant. You know, I can get the servant, they can vacuum clean the house, and uh, I don't have to do it. Um, so they can vacuum clean all of sinners, and, uh, you know, and I'll pay for them to do that. Um, our evangelist's job is not just to do evangelism. And I, I, I mean a minister's job. And where does the minister, why does the pastor, eva- I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about, I think there's probably a little bit of different emphasis. But I'm not sure if you're pastoring a church that isn't uh, teaching them to evangelise, whether you're really pastoring them. So the pastor evangelist, I'm not sure what the distinction is, as far as I can see. But I think to have evangelists is really helpful because there are some people that are real natural at it and you want to get them, uh, you know, doing, doing stuff. And, but as long as it's the uh, Ephesians 4, that's what I was trying to say, Ephesians 4, 11, which is, which it, is that they're actually equipping the church and helping the church, not just doing everybody's evangelism for them. So I remember when I first went to Hook Evangelical Church, you know, people would say, well, can you come and talk to my, my neighbour about uh, the gospel? And I'd say, no, you talk to them. <laughs> um, and then they sort of wondered what I did. Um, now, of course, there are... That can be helpful for you to come in, and it's helpful for them. But if it's, if it's just an excuse that they don't do it, then I think we've got to be, be aware of that. But yeah, let's get evangelists. Let's employ them. And uh, why not be banging on doors? And there are people that are just great. Some of us, you know, we'd be scared stiff at that. And not everyone can do everything. Don't force people to, to do open airs. You know, don't, don't make them less spiritual if they can't do that. But, but, but try to find out where they can be released to do uh, what they can do. And, um, yeah, def- definitely. Go what for other things can you do with a church uh, who predominantly elderly? How, how can we get them inspired to do things? Obviously, a lot of them are not going to be able to, to walk. No. So, what other ideas, what other things can we do? Prayer walks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> prayer marches. <laughs> yeah, cut the legs off. Um, uh, yes, but they can join day centres. Uh, they can, um, you know, look... It's, uh, evangelism, we constantly think it's just for young people. It's nonsense. So old people need to, older people need to be released to uh, think about what they can do. And they, they can do lots of things. Um, you know, they can invite you know, another older lady for coffee. Um, they can um, uh, perhaps 
even help out at the mums and tots thing, uh, you know, in perhaps making the coffee so that the younger mums can be free to talk and not just busy, because that's often what happens and miss the conversation. It's, it's I, you know, I, mean, I can't answer that question because you've got to say to the people, you need to ask them, what could you be doing? How can I help you to, to be evangelistic? What, what do you think? Say, might say, actually, I'm in the war club or something. You know, I'm in a club. Well, I remember an old lady saying to me, do you know what? I'm in the gramophone record club. And I thought, well, that's amazing that there is a club for that. And, and she was into gramoph- old gramophone records. And there were, you know, five or six people that would meet regularly. To, I don't know what they did. Um, okay. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so, so, that's a fantastic thing, isn't it? So why can't you, you know, uh, equip them somehow to take that further? Let's listen to an old Billy Graham record or whatever, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, there was, there was I, I did a mission once where a woman said, well, I'm not very good at much, but I'm on, um, what's it called, CB, ra- CB radio? And she said, uh, that's all I do, all, all the people I talk to are on that. And she said, but I could have an eye, uh, was it an eyeball uh, meeting? I thought, what's that? An eyeball is meetings when you get all your contacts together and have an eyeball. And she did this, she just called, you know, whatever it is, 10-4, blah, 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 you know, truckers or whatever and uh, and uh, th- this was an older lady um, and, and she had um, she had uh, I think it was, a, it was about this many uh, in a meeting that never met before she's explained it exactly what it is she put on some sandwiches and so forth and we had we had an eyeball um, you know that was a long time ago but you know there's people you know it's not just a young person thing. It's not just playing volleyball and football and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, football can be a very bad uh, evangelistic tool, football, because, because it's so aggressive and you're trying to beat the pagan. Um, and, uh, and so I think, you know, just, you've got to talk to them to try to release them to see what they they would like to do, what they could be good at. Yeah. That's often a problem, though, isn't it, Peter? Because often we don't live in the community that no. our churches are located. Yeah. yeah. So that makes it a little bit harder, doesn't it? It does make it harder. Even if we do live in the community, uh, community is not community no. anymore, is it? No. Pe- people keep themselves to themselves. And they'll, they'll say to you, well, I've tried over the 10, 20 years. Nobody comes. Yeah, you see that was even the family don't come. Yeah, but I think that's the point I'm making. I know we struggle with community mm. in the sense neighbour people in the street, but but people can be involved with something with their interest. Sure, they've got yeah. interest whether it's just club or whatever. Yeah, just mm. trying to do just make sure they meet with people somehow. Yeah, it's amazing actually. There are when you start to look into it, a lot of community groups. Some are very small, but even things like Neighbourhood Watch, and we've got a local community group that meets, and they, they talk about a lot of nonsense sometimes, but they're actually there, people in the community who are actually talking, and you can meet them there. It's, um, yeah. But we don't go, do we? That's the problem. I've done loads and loads and loads of talks on evangelism and I'm fed up with it to be honest with you um, because in the end you know if, if there's a will there's a way I'm pretty sure of that and actually it's the motivation uh, and if the church is a praying convinced community that this is what we should be about I think surely we can say the Lord will help us the Lord of evangelism will begin to guide us into what we should do. And it might mean, you know, look, you haven't got the gift. You might be a group of people that say, we don't know what to do. We need someone to help us. Pray for that then. Surely Christ will equip his church. Ask the Lord to bring someone in. Ask the Lord to send someone. And surely, surely that, 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 can't we, aren't we convinced that he is about this? Uh, So I think we just, you know, we need to keep that sort of stuff up. Um, 
Anyway, anybody else want to say anything? Okay. Well, well, should we finish? Yeah. Is there, um, in your experience, is there a danger of going the other way, where you go too far, as in you uh, over-evangelize? And uh, don't get me wrong in this, but um, take, for example, university Christian unions, yeah. where um, we're actually, in a way, you're a student, but actually your, your entire student life is spent doing more evangelism than actually kind of doing what you're the other thing you're supposed to be doing as well which is do you think in your experience oh I see what you mean no in my experience no that doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) no because education is such an idol in in evangelical circles Mm. and uh, you see I would want to say to students uh, what can you get away with here you're you're there to work you're there to but you know um, what do you need okay if you work, basically, I mean, I know there are particular studies, like your nursing and that sort of stuff, it's a lot more, it takes over. But basically, if you just had a bit of discipline in your life and got up <laughs> on time, got up, you could probably get away by going to your lectures and doing two hours a day, and you, you'll do well. Yeah? So do that. You don't need to get a first class honours degree, who cares about that? You just, you know, get your degree. And, um, and some, some will get it because they're really bright and some will you know, have to put far too much energy into getting that and it, you, it's not going to help you with your McDonald's job anyway. Um, uh, but look, university is just invented for evangelism. You know, and some, and some universities are sort of trebly invented, like Durham. I mean, if you can't evangelise every single student at Durham University, you're a useless CU, because um, it's designed to be a boring place to live, and out in the middle of nowhere, and it's this little sort of island. Uh, it's, a va- it's, it's designed for students to wait around thinking, I need someone to evangelise me. Um, but anyway, there you go. It's, uh, you know... It, we, we, uh, you should read read the Islamist. Please read the Islamist. It's a very significant book, and you see how they evangelise. You see how they do it. They're brilliant. They 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 culture clash. They they they're, they're basically communists with God. In other words, they're going to cause a crisis in order to get known. Now I'm not saying you know we mustn't take their devious ways. We've got to be above board, but you know there's something in their enthusiasm that we ought to be um, we ought to be committed to. Students, I think, uh, churches need to get involved with students, and students n- n- shouldn't be left on their own in universities. This is completely un-PC. Uh, I think churches, you should take over Christian unions, really good evangelical churches, to help them to evangelise because they're missing opportunities left, right and centre. And you've, you've really got to give them the power and the resources and the commitment to actually evan- evangelise. Um, because they're often small groups uh, not knowing what they're doing. They're n- not much older than 18. They're just kids. And you've got all of these pagans. You've got... Uh, Christians from all kinds of walks of life that want to divert you by talking about this group and that group and this thing but if evangelicals could get and really use the students to, to actually evangelise on campus you know, I, I think we've got to empower them to do that but that's my radical way of thinking ok we're finished let's finish